welcome to the Male Christian Church Podcast and happy Father's Day. Church Was Never Like This continues in this week's message titled Our Father. Pastor Ben Pitney is going to speak from Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 15. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Yeah. You gotta love the dad jokes. So if your dad wants to tell you a joke today, don't get on his case. You just gotta, it's just part of it, okay? There's some great ones out there. I will resist telling you mine. But, um... I just wanted to uh, encourage you today, and um, I'm so glad that you're all here. I know that life is a lot different, in particular in Tucson uh, lately. We know the mountain's on fire, and that's pretty discouraging, and then we come out with this new mandate with masks in public and all that is kind of crazy. Pray for Elizabeth and her team in the children ministry arena, goodness, just try to keep masks on all those guys um, while they're trying to do their thing over there. That's pretty nuts. But next week, or uh, excuse me, on the first Sunday in July, uh, we're opening up the nursery, and uh, I think that's going to be really good and really helpful. If you're a, uh, evidently, if you're a child five years old and younger, then you don't have to wear those masks. So that's going to be really great to, you know, because trying to keep that on there is pretty hard, right? Well, in, in light of what keeps happening, it just seems like just I want to go one week, right, without uh, something new, just sort of creating some upheaval in our world. And uh, it just seems like just one thing after the next. I really thought it'd be a good idea today to focus on something in particular, where in the New Testament, um, Jesus' guys, his disciples, um, they, they come to Jesus and they say, they, they ask him to teach them to pray. And so he does, and he gives some really great instru- instructions. And I really like uh, going through this um, a little bit today. We're going to talk about God's name and what God wants us to call him, what Jesus gives us uh, instructions on how to address the Father. And... Um, I think it's really important because I think that prayer should be our priority right now. If there's not a time, if there's ever a time for prayer to be a priority in our lives, I think it is right now. And there are a lot of really good implications, I think, about prayer and us and the church, in particular during this season that we're in that's pretty difficult and there's a lot of upheaval. So I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a scene in verses 5 through 15, in particular the Lord's Prayer that is really um, familiar. So let's read it together. If you can uh, get get online with your uh, tablet or your phone, I'd love for you to follow along in the scripture. I'm going to read out of the Net Bible, the New English translation. It's what I've just teach from, and I'm a big fan of it. And I'm going to show you why today I think that the language and the words are really important. Um, Good translation Um, has maybe changed some of the words that you're familiar with, maybe growing up, regarding the Lord's Prayer. So starting in verse 5, Matthew chapter 6, says, whenever you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that people can see them. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So I want to focus on just a few things here today that I think have a lot to do with us and I think can give you and I guidance, the church guidance, Christ followers guidance during a time that is really difficult. It's difficult sometimes to determine, I think, what we're supposed to do and and who we're supposed to be, who we should listen to. And uh, I've said, you know, church was never like this. What's a church supposed to do? I mean, we're not familiar, really, with what we should do during this time. So we've had to, I think it's been really good for us in some ways, maybe really, really great for us in some ways, because we've had to take a look at who we are and what we should really be doing. And once you get past some of these things that seem to be difficult, and I think you drill down on what is it that's important to the Lord? What is it that matters to God? What is it that the Father wants us to do? What are His priorities? I think they're revealed right here in this prayer that Jesus gives us to follow and as... um, in particular, how he instructs us. Let's just look at how he instructs us. So first, we're going to just, just briefly, I want to review what this name is that we are to honor. Now, if you grew up with this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that version of it, um, I think that version of it gets confusing because we don't talk like that. We don't use the these and thous, and we don't know what hallowed means hardly at all, right? So the modern translation here that is good and accurate is we're going to use this word honor. And then we'll inquire what it means to honor that name. And finally, I'm just going to ask, when we say these words, who are we praying for in particular? And I think Jesus reveals all this. So can we just look real briefly at the name of God, because it's really important. And I chose this place, you know, in particular because of the word Father and how we're supposed to address God as Father. So if we just journey through um, your Bible with me, we're going to be in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, just to kind of go back into the Old Testament and look at some of these things about 
God's name. And listen, there is so much about God's name. This is only the tip of the iceberg. There's, there's a lot here. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 in particular is where I just want to start. God says to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So in particular, you know, Moses is going, well, what do I, who do I tell them sent me? You know, how do I address you? You know, how am I supposed to tell them about who you are? And he says, tell them this, I am that I am. It's the most fundamental thing that can be said actually about God is that he is, period. He is. It's hard to get your arms around that, but it's the most staggering thing to imagine, all right, in our imagination, I guess, is that he, he um, never had a beginning. He simply is from all eternity. He never had a beginning. That's really hard to get your arms around. But that's what he says to Moses. That's what he teaches, and that's what this means. In Exodus 33, verse 19, just skip down there, God said to Moses again, He says, I will make all my goodness pass before your face. I will proclaim the Lord by name before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. So at the heart of God's name is the reality of his sovereign freedom. His sovereign freedom. I mean, just look at it. He makes his choices on the basis of his own infinite wisdom. He doesn't seek out our wisdom. And I've said before, sometimes I wish... God would consult me before he decides something, but that doesn't seem to be his habit, does it? Just like it's not, he doesn't consult you, right? He is simply, he is from all eternity, and he alone in all the universe is self-determined. Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, we're still in Exodus just a little bit, moving around says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, was not known to them. So not only does God exist in sovereign freedom, he is infinite in power so that he cannot be thwarted in any of his free choices. Omnipotence is the guarantee of his faithfulness. And when God came down a second time to Mount Sinai, The first thing he did was to declare his name. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So we learn on Mount Sinai all this scene, right, where the children of Israel are, where, where God reveals himself to Moses and all these things, right? We learn on Mount Sinai that the existence, the freedom, and the omnipotence of God stand in the service of his mercy and his love. God is all about mercy and love, all about it. And so in the midst of a, a lot of upheaval and a lot of crisis, a lot of what do we do and where is God, all these things, God is full of mercy and love, and we mustn't forget that, and we mustn't drift from that. And all of this, I believe, is, 
revealed in his name and the essence of who he is. And then finally, God declares again on Mount Sinai, for you in um, Exodus 34, 14, for you must not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And this seems to be a little um, peculiar in some ways, but I think it's one of the things that I really love most about God. He is a jealous God. He says his name is Jealous. So God has created us to love and enjoy him, and he feels a holy indignation when our hearts are lured away to love and enjoy other things more than him and more than his name in particular. So so God exists from all eternity. He is free. He is omnipotent. He's merciful. He is the beginning and the end of every person that will ever live. He is holy and he is jealous for our undivided affection. That is his name. That's his name. So I want to talk through asking God to do what he already wants to do for a few minutes. Because when you move now to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches that the first priority in praying is to ask that our Heavenly Father's name be honored. Hallowed. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. And I want you to notice that this is a petition or a request. It's not a declaration. And... To be perfectly transparent, I thought it was for a long time, a lot of my life, I thought it was a declaration, but it's not. It's a petition or a request. It's a request to God that he would see to it that his name, his own name would be honored. That changes the way you kind of think about this, doesn't it? I think that's actually really profound. It's like in Matthew 9, 38. You don't have to turn there, but this is where Jesus tells us to pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out laborers into his own harvest, right? Jesus telling us to ask God, who is infinitely jealous for the honor of his own name, to see to it that his name be honored. And so it may be hard to get your arms around, but, but that's it. And it teaches us a couple of things. Two things in particular. It's surprising, this request. But here are the two things that it teaches us. Number one, prayer does not move God to do things he is unwilling to do. Did you know that? <laughs> if he's not willing to do it, your prayers are not going to move him He has every intention to cause his name to be honored. Nothing is higher on God's priority list. So you got to keep thinking through this lens of priority. What's important to the Lord? What's he want me to do? Who's he want me to be? And this rises to the surface right here. The second thing is prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities 
into, uh, into alignment with his. Because you might be going, well, gosh, I want these things to happen, and I'm going to ask the Lord to do it. But we forget and we lose sight that prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities into alignment with him. God wills to make great things the consequences of our prayers when our prayers are the consequences of his great purposes. So if you're going to ask him uh, and you're going to pray for things, if you're going to request things and, and your priorities don't line up with his priorities, you might as well just kind of forget it. But So that, that's what his intention here is. When you bring your heart into, into alignment with the jealousy of God to honor his name, your prayers have a really, really great effect. See, he wants your heart and his heart to be in line. And prayer does that. It lines things up. Let your first prayers be for the honoring of God's name, and your prayers will plug into the power of God's jealousy. Have you thought about that, that there is power in the jealousy of God? He has a priority. It is about him and what his priority is, and that is powerful when you line up with that, when you're in step with God's jealousy. Most of the time we think of jealousy as being something really negative. Oh, you shouldn't be jealous. I mean, that means that you are closed-minded. But can you see now through the lens of jealousy how important it is when you are God? <laughs> right? So, what does it mean to honor his name? Let's get to that. Because I think that's the question that we got to ask. What does the word honor mean first? What are we asking God to do when we ask him to allow his name to be honored? Okay? The word honor means something. It means sanctify. Now, sanctify is a churchy word, all right? But we've talked through this. Let me just remind you kind of in this simple fashion. What is sanctify mean? Because honor and sanctify, kind of the same thing. They're interchangeable. The same Greek word stands behind both English words. So Jesus tells us to pray, may or let your name be sanctified. Sanctify can mean make holy or treat as holy. So now, when you become a Christ follower, when you swear allegiance to the king, when you believe then in the work of Jesus at the cross, in his death, burial, and resurrection, when you confess him as Lord, right, and you put up that white flag and you say, look, I'm sinful and I need a savior. I get that now and I know that you, Father God, sent Jesus to me, sent Jesus to us to make a way for me to be in your presence because of my sin, I need forgiveness. When, when, when you surrender your life like that, then upon a, that belief in Christ, then the Holy Spirit then transforms you from the inside out, transforms you or sanctifies you, sets you apart, sets you aside, and it becomes this journey then, this process. 
until Jesus returns. And it is all complete. So now when God sanctifies us, it means that he makes us holy. But when we sanctify God, it means that we treat him as holy. And that's different, isn't it? So Jesus is teaching us to pray that God would cause his name to be treated as holy. And our question becomes, what does it mean to treat God as holy? What are we asking God to do when we ask him to allow his name to be honored or sanctified? So let's just look. What what does it mean to be um, God, God is holy? So to answer the question, I found some other places in scriptures where the word honor or sanctify or treat as holy is used in relation to God. And each of these gives us an idea of what it means to honor the name of God. So, number one, in, in the, during the wilderness wandering of the people of Israel, the children of Israel, right? Um, they've been rescued out of bondage, out of slavery. They've been chosen by God to feature, actually, who he is as a, as a nation. They are supposed to showcase the essence of who God is. And And the way he does this is he brings them out of slavery, rescues them, but um, then they wander throughout, for various reasons, they wander for 40 years throughout the desert. And in those journeys, in those wanderings, before they get to the promised land, as God is teaching them things, there's a time when they had no water. And you got to know, as Moses, he's fed up with these people half the time because they complain a lot, they're... They're, they're complaining about anything and everything to the point where they even say, oh, you know, it would have been better if we had just stayed in Egypt, right? So he's getting a little short of patience to be, you know, at, at minimum. And the people are grumbling against Moses because they don't have any water. But God tells Moses then, he says, speak to this rock and it will bring forth water for the people. Just talk to this rock, would you? And the water's going to come out. Well, I got a feeling I would be just like Moses. He's, his spirit is bitter. He's pretty uptight, fairly angry, and he speaks rashly, and he strikes the rock twice with the rod that he's got. The water comes out, but so does the stinging words of God to Moses, Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. Check it out. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not trust me enough to show me as holy, there's the word, or honor me before the Israelites, therefore you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. I want you to notice the words, you did not trust me enough to show me as holy or honor me. That's that's my parentheses there. These words give us our first answer to the question, what it means to sanctify or honor the name of God. It means to Believe him, to believe him. The first way to treat God as holy is to trust what he says. Instead of a peaceful confidence in the power of God, Moses is bitter, he's impulsive, and so God's not honored when we do not have a spirit of settled confidence and peace in his word. I think it's a really magnificent lesson right there, isn't it? He's not honored when you're not at peace and settled and confident in what he's given you to do and be and all of his instructions, right? 
Not trusting God is the exact opposite of honoring his name. So the first thing we mean then when we pray to God to allow his name to be honored is that he would cause people to believe him and to trust him. I think people really need that right now, don't you? There's a lot of fear. All right, let's go to the second one. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. God speaks to Isaiah, and he warns him not to be like the people of Israel. All right? Again, these people. In verses 12 and 13, he says, do not say conspiracy. Heard that word lately? Every time these people say the word... Don't be afraid of what scares them. Don't be terrified. You must recognize the authority of the Lord who commands armies. He's the one you must respect. He's the one you must fear. How do you honor God? By not fearing what men fear, but fearing God. Now, it's not, it's not saying be silly and, you know, just, I don't got to worry about this virus and all this kind of stuff. No, don't take it too far here, right? When God commands you to take your stand for him in a hostile situation, you fearing, you you, you fear displeasing God more than you fear the hostility of man. How do you honor God? By not fearing what men fear, but fearing God. When God commands you to take your stand for him in a hostile situation, you fearing displeasing God more than you fear the hostility of man. So don't fear losing your house because... The market's bad, or I, you know, I don't know. Don't fear losing your children because, you know, they're leaving you and they got to go places. Don't fear your bank account or your prestige, right? Instead, fear the possibility of saying no to God. He'll compensate you for all your worldly losses when you obey Him and when you. Set yourself to oppose his will. No one can compensate for the eternal consequences of that. So it's about what God wants, not what we want still, right? So when we pray, may your name be honored, we mean, Father, let your name be feared. Or more fully, Father, cause people to have such a high view of you that it is, it is much more terrifying to lose your approval than to lose anything the world can offer. Leviticus 22, 31 and 32. Let's look there because this last text sheds light on what it means to honor God's name. And these verses says, you must be sure to do my commands or my commandments. I am the Lord. You must not profane my holy name. And I will be sanctified in the midst of the Israelites. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So we honor the name of God when we keep his commands. We profane the name of God when we break his commands. So when we pray, Father, let your name be honored, we mean, Father, cause your commandments to be obeyed. Now, whose heart are we asking God to change here? Because this, this, this big question is still remaining. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. Whose heart are we asking God to change when we pray, Father, cause the heart's Cause their hearts to believe you, cause their hearts to fear you, cause their hearts to obey you. If you take your clue from the next two requests, actually, in the Lord's Prayer, I think you're going to hear two things about ourselves and unreached people that are out there. And this is where it gives, I, I think, where this prayer and these instructions give us real guidance for who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, 
in the midst of all these things, in particular as we pray and how powerful prayer is. So let's look at the first one, this personal dimension, right? Because after teaching us to pray that God's name is honored, Jesus teaches us to pray in verse 10, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And each of these requests is a personal and a global dimension, right? A personal and a global dimension. So let's look at this personal dimension to this whole thing. For example, in Matthew 6, 33, you probably know these verses. Jesus commands to seek God's kingdom first rather than seeking other stuff like food and clothing and all this other stuff. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and then all this stuff will be added to you, right? In other words, we're to seek to let God be the ruler and king in our lives now. His kingdom is a present reality wherever he rules as king. So when we pray, Father, may your kingdom come, we should mean, Father, rule in my life, be my king, triumph over all my anxieties about life. Are you anxious at all right now? I know I am. This is the personal dimension of the coming of the kingdom. Father, rule in my life, be my king, and triumph over my anxiety about life. And then I like the global dimension, too, because God is all about that. Kings are. Kings want it all. They don't want to just be king of something. They want to be king of everything. All of it. He wants it all. So just as important as the personal dimension is the global dimension. Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper, and we just celebrated the Lord's Supper. He says, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In other words, the coming of the kingdom is not only a present spiritual experience, but a future historical event. It refers to the time when the king will come in glory with his angels in flaming fire and gather his elect from the four winds and establish his kingdom on earth. So Jesus describes it in Matthew 13 and 41 and 43 through 43. He says, the son of man will send his angels. They will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin as well as all the lawbreakers. Then they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, the one who has ears had better listen. So when we pray, may your kingdom come, we're asking God to draw history to a close and establish his kingdom on the earth. And who will be a part of this kingdom? John describes it, Revelation 5. Who's going to be a part of it? They were singing a new song, he says. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were killed. And at the cost of your own blood, you have purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have appointed them as a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So when the kingdom comes that we're praying for in the Lord's Prayer, it'll be composed of rescued people by Jesus from every tribe and tongue, people, and nation on earth. So the answer to the question, for whom are we praying when we pray? May your name be honored. It's really plain, I think. We're praying not only for ourselves, but also unreached tribes, languages, honored uh, um, people, and um, nations of the world. You see how our purposes are all found in just these 
ways that Jesus instructs us to pray. God's purpose is to be honored, believed, feared, obeyed by the rescued in all the people groups of the earth. So if you've been rescued, now you know what your job is. Now you know what your mission is and your purpose. And it's all right here in the prayer. Who are we praying for when we pray? May your name be honored for the unreached peoples of the earth and for ourselves. That God would use us to reach them. Now, that's really great news in the midst of all this upheaval. Now I know what to do. And I know who I'm supposed to be. And I know all this from who God is and what he, he um, asks us to do and be. And just the way he's described in his name. So what has this got to do with me then, right? Make God's priority your priority. I love this. And it's simple and right to the point. What is God's priority? What is, what is important to him? What matters to him? What's at the top of the list for him? Since the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer give us the priority of Jesus' heart, we got to learn that God's priority is the honoring of his name in all of the earth. Honor his name. Honor his name. If this is God's priority, it's got to be ours that God be believed, feared, obeyed by rescued people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Here it is right there. That's the top of the list. I like that. That gives me confidence and guidance. I like knowing what I'm supposed to do and who I'm supposed to be. How about this? Number two, pray those priorities into reality. Did you catch that in the whole thing here? We've learned that prayer is the foundation of our mission and our mandate. It's, this is the foundation of our job and, and how we're supposed to carry it out. Here it is. Jesus teaches us his priorities in the form of a prayer because he intends for us to pray those priorities into reality. That's what it has to do with us. If the kingdom comes in our lifetime, it's because the church of Jesus has begun to take seriously the Lord's prayer. It will be because we've recognized that the prayers, may your name be honored, are at the top of the list. May your name be honored. May your name be honored in the midst of all of, you know, the reasons why we got to wear this. So don't let this get in the way. Why don't you let this get in the way? You know, I've had some people send me some emails this week about things, and I'm like, hey, I, I, don't, I don't really like it, okay? I don't really like it, but I'm not going to let this impede me honoring the name of Jesus. I just don't think this is the hill to die on. It's just not worth it to me. So... I'm going to gladly wear it if, does that make sense? How about this? Let this prayer be answered in your life. As God's purpose, as, as God's purpose to call out the, uh, the rescued church from every tribe, language, people, and nation, it's, it's not fulfilled yet. We're not done. I think we're in the last, you know, kind of part of the battle, and it's a war, and it's a battle. 
We're in a war and a battle. It's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And if we want to be obedient to the Lord, we got to seek to let his prayer be answered in our own lives. We have to honor his name more deeply. We must believe and fear and obey his name with new intensity. And so I think the church has been woken up, don't you? Because a lot of our comfortable way of going about things has been taken away and got to go about it different. And you're, you're kind of being tested. And it, you know, it kind of rubs, in particular, where it all kind of collides politically right now. Have you seen that? And our, our culture wants us to choose a side. Everything is about choosing a side. It's kind of nuts. And that's not God's heart. God's priority is different than that. His priority, his heart is that his name would be honored, right? So we got to make room in our lives for the last part of this war and this battle. we got to work to make Vail Christian Church kind of a boot camp, a base of operation, a recruitment center. And, and we've got to be so captivated by the love and majesty of God that no joy is more powerful in us than the joy of counting everything as loss for the sake of Christ. That's this kind of stuff, I think. Right? That's this kind of stuff. So we'll figure out how to do church. We'll figure out how to do it. Well, I think you should try to be here. I think you should wear these where you need to. And I think you got to still, though, live, live out honoring the name of God just like Jesus instructs us to right here. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your name and all the powerful implications of your name and these instructions from Jesus. It makes, us cl- makes it very clear what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be. And I need that, Lord God, in the middle of all this upheaval. It settles my heart. It gives me confidence. It gives me peace and assurance, because just in your name, just in your name, there is all of this unbelievable omnipotence, sovereignty, jealousy, and those are sweet and good and right things. So we want to claim those things. We want to obey, trust, and fear We want to obey and trust and fear you above everything else, Lord. Help us to fulfill the mission that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a really good day, you guys. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.bailchristian.com.